The last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. And right in front of that is the short little book entitled The Epistle of Jude that we want to look at and see the message that God has from this, the book of Jude. Notice beginning in verse 1, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So here's the introduction that is given. And um, great, they, they have a great practice here. They tell you right at the start of the letter, this letter is from Jude. What happens? You get a letter. This dates myself because nobody gets letters anymore, right? But we always put our name at the bottom of it. So if you don't know who it's from, you turn it over. You find the bottom. Oh, this is from so-and-so, all right? So Jude says, I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm the brother of James, which means Jude was a half-brother of Jesus Christ. But he didn't put that in there because he wasn't a name-dropper, so to speak. I mean, think of it. He was a half-brother of Jesus Christ, so he grew up around Jesus Christ. You think you had it bad growing up being compared to somebody. How would you like to have been a half-brother of Jesus Christ? Why can't you be like Jesus? Well, I'm trying to be, okay? So Jude is writing, and he says in verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, he said, I was going to sit down and write to you about salvation. But he said, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. He said, I was going to sit down and write to you about our salvation. But he said, God directed me to write to you, exhorting you to earnestly contend for the faith. You understand everything in life. I was going to say everything in the Christian life, but everything in life comes down to faith. It's all about faith. Everything life in life rises and falls on what you and I believe about Jesus Christ. We live in a day today where people believe that God maybe does not exist or he doesn't have anything to do here. And, and so if there is no God, there is no standard for morals. There is no right and wrong. It's just up to whatever anyone thinks. Everything in life rises and falls on faith, what we believe about Jesus Christ. And Jude says here, I'm writing to you about this faith which was once delivered. It was delivered. It wasn't a a committee of people got together and said, hey, let's make up this faith. It was from God delivered to us. Through the Word of God, it was once delivered. It was only given. Jesus Christ was given once. 
the truth was given. And there's no need for new additions. There's no need for um, Joseph Smith having a new revelation that now this is the truth for the North American hemisphere. No, there's no need of that. It is once delivered, and Jude is writing to them, and he's reminding them, and he says, faith is very, very important. It was once delivered, and he says, I'm writing, verse 4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, it's all about faith. And he said, true faith will come under attack. So I'm writing to you that you would contend for the faith. The, the word contend is, is one that means that you stand up for the faith that you represent the faith, that you are um, uh, one that properly presents it. And Jude is saying, I am writing to you, urging you to contend for the faith, but not in a contentious way. Charles Spurgeon, I like what he said when he said, the truth is like a lion. Whoever heard of defending a lion? Just turn it loose, and it will defend itself. That's the way it is with the Word of God. And he's writing to these believers, and he's saying, your faith has to be built in the Word of God. And I want you to contend for the faith. That means there's a battle for the faith. And I want you to to be in the battle. Number one, make sure that we are in the faith. But he says, I want you to contend for the faith. I want you to represent the truth and understand it shouldn't come as a surprise that the truth will be under attack. So he's writing them and he says to them, "Um, there have been certain men that have come in in our own midst, he's saying here to the believers And he said they are ungodly men, and they turn the truth of God into a lie. But he goes on. We'll come back to verse 4 in a little bit, but he goes on, verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, Jude is writing. He said, I was going to write to you about salvation, but I... God placed on my heart to write to you to earnestly contend for the faith because there are people that are coming in to destroy the faith. But he says, I'm reminding you that God will bring judgment on all falsehood. And so he says, remember, 
God will bring judgment on falsehood. God doesn't take this lightly when people mess with the truth. And so he holds up an example. He said it may be sudden judgment. He gives three examples here. And, and we'll take them kind of in the reverse order. It may be sudden judgment, as in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, where fire fell from heaven because of their pride and immorality. And you notice it says here, they had gone after strange flesh. That means homosexuality. That means bestiality. Don't tell me that the Bible doesn't talk about homosexuality except in the book of Leviticus. This is Jude writing and he's warning. And he says, remember, God brought judgment suddenly and quickly on Sodom and Gomorrah. But he says, God will, he's, he's telling these believers, don't fret because of evildoers because God will bring judgment. And he says it may be suddenly like Sodom and Gomorrah. It may be a long delayed judgment as in the case of the angels. One third of the angels in heaven followed Lucifer. And God says that he has reserved them in judgment until the final day. Their final judgment has not been brought. So he's saying there may be sudden judgment as Sodom and Gomorrah. It may be long delayed judgment as with the angels, or he said it may be the, the judgment that came about as those that came out of Egypt then turned their back on God, and it may come about as natural events in the course of life. But what Jude is saying is God will not ignore false teaching. God will bring judgment. You know, sometimes you sit in our world today and you think, look at all this evil that is going on and it seems to prosper and, and it's advancing. And Jude is saying, just remember this, God may bring judgment immediately. God may have long reserved judgment. God may bring judgment as a natural course of events, but God will bring judgment. Look down at verse 14 and 15. As Enoch prophesied, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So again, he's reminding them God is going to judge the ungodly works. And then... In this, Jude gives a number of characteristics, if you please, of false teachers. And we're just going to quickly go through these and list these. But you notice he'd already mentioned here, they came in in verse 4, and they turned the grace of our Lord into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the characteristics, they change the grace of God into a license of immorality, teaching basically that it doesn't matter what you do with your body as long as your spirit is right. 
The grace of God, the grace of God covers our sin. And indeed, the grace of God does cover our sin and forgives us of our sin. But it doesn't give us a license to sin. Oh, because I have the grace of God, I can go do whatever I want. No. But this is what they were teaching. They changed it. And then he goes in and he begins um, sharing with them some of the characteristics beginning in verse 8. Other characteristics. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh. They reject authority. And speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. So, he says they, they speak evil of authorities. And then he goes on, and in verse 11, he begins a progression. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Cain was the first murderer. Cain was selfish. And um, he's referring to the selfishness here of Cain. And then he says, then they run greedily in the air of Balaam. Balaam was supposedly a a prophet of the Lord, a priest. But for the sake of money, he taught the children of Israel how to go into sin. He sent pagan women among them to seduce them. And introduced them to the worship of idols. And he did all of this for the sake of greed. So Jude is saying, these are selfish. They are greedy. And then in that same verse, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. We don't have the time, but you can go back and read about Korah's rebellion against the leadership of Moses. And as we've already alluded, Jude mentions it twice. They are rebellious toward authority. They have no respect for God's authority structure, as Korah did, um, leading rebellion. And God brought judgment on, on him and those with him. He goes on in verse 12. These are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. There's their selfishness again. They are clouds without water, carried about by winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of the darkness forever." All of that he's saying is this, that they are, they are hypocrites, they are empty boasters, they are clouds without rain, they are fruit trees in the autumn that have no fruit, they're twice dead. He said they're, they're um, like waves of the sea foaming up to their own shame. He's saying they are hypocritical. They come to your the, the love feast that he's talking about. 
it was what we would commonly call fellowships to your potluck or pot faith. And they act like they're one of you in fellowship, but they're undermining what, what you're really doing. And he says that um, they are hypocritical and empty boasters. He also goes on and he says, verse 16, these are grumblers complaining, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts, These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. So he adds a few more things here. He says they are mockers. That there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. They are sensual and perverted. They just live for their senses. They're very sensual and they bring division among believers. These are some of the characteristics. Now, I want to make application to us from just quickly going through all these things. Do we change the grace of God into a license? Oh, God God would think that's okay. Are we selfish? Are we greedy? Are we rebellious? Are we divisive? Are we sensual? Which of these do we manifest? It's easy for us to point at others and say, all these false teachers are this and this. But let's let's look at our own life. These are grumblers and complainers walking after their own desires. If we were to talk to the people that you work with, would they say, ah, he's grumbling and complaining about everything. Can't stand the boss has no respect for any authorities. Are we sensual? Do we just give in to our own desires and lusts? But Jude is writing, bringing it back here. Jude is writing. He's saying, all this is going on. But this is the part of the book that I really love. He said, the faith is being battled for. And we live in a world today that our faith is really being contended over and we need to earnestly contend for the faith without being contentious but in these last days how beloved then in verse 20 but you beloved so so jude is saying all this i'm writing to you because there's such a danger the faith is attempted to be undermined they're trying to destroy the faith And then he brings it down. But you, beloved, and here he lists five things that we are to do. Number one, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. First of all, we ask the question. He's taking it for granted here. He's writing to believers. Are you in Jesus Christ? Is there faith in Jesus Christ? Has there been a time that you personally called upon Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and become a child of God? 
then he says, if you are a child of God, be building up that faith. God didn't save us, so we just sit here and say, man, I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm good to go. Come, Lord Jesus, take me to heaven. We are to be building up our faith so that we can have an impact with others that will mention, what are you doing to build your faith? Building your faith is directly tied to your relationship with the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if the Word of God is not playing an active role in your life, you are not building your faith. And you may think your faith may stand the tests of time when, when the trials really come, but unless you are building your faith, and Jude is writing, and he's saying there's a battle that's going on for the faith. It always has gone on. It's going on today. And he says, I want you to be building up yourselves in the faith. Examine every area of your life. Does this build my faith? These thoughts? These activities? Does this build my faith? Or does it drag it down? So we need to examine and we need to build. And then the next thing he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. Prayer is a warfare weapon that God has given to us. And sad to say, many times it's unused, many times it's abused or misunderstood. Praying in the Spirit is not reference to some special feeling that you get when you pray. It's not reference to some emotion that you have. Praying in the Spirit is praying in accordance with the will of God, with the will of the Spirit, so that when you go before the Father, the Spirit can be bearing witness that, yes, this is something that this child of ours needs for service of the Lord. Praying in the Spirit is praying in agreement with the Spirit of God. Why do you want your prayers answered? It will reveal oftentimes a motive behind our prayers and is the motive for our prayer that God be glorified. So he says, building up your faith, praying in the Spirit, and then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, this is not a reference to keep yourself saved. We do not keep ourselves saved. First Peter tells us we are kept by the power of God unto salvation. We can't keep ourselves saved. That's something God does for us. This is a reference that we are to keep ourselves and direct our life in such a manner that God can bless us. The prodigal son. The prodigal son, after he'd gone his own way and spent his inheritance, while he was doing it, while he was going and living in sin, was still loved by his father, but he was not in a place where he could enjoy his father's love. His sin had separated him. 
what Jude is writing here is saying, keep yourself, guard your heart. Iniquity abounds where the love of many is cold. In John 15 and verse 10, it says that if you love me, keep my commandments. By this you abide in my love. See, there are people today that turn the grace of God. Oh, we don't need to worry about the commandments of God. We don't need to worry about that. Just just love Jesus. Well, John tells us that loving Jesus means keeping his commandments so that you can be in the place of God's blessing. I, I urge you tonight to be back. Tonight um, we are going to be playing some of the sound bites of... Um, of yesterday's Understanding the Times radio, and it deals with some of the things that are going on in our nation today. And basically, it's the same with nations as it is with people. God says, if you honor me, I will bless you. If you dishonor me, I will not bless you. Um, in, in the last month, our nation has desecrated God in three distinct ways that you will hear tonight. It's, this is what Jude's talking about. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in a place that God can bless you, that God can speak to you. Guard your heart. Then he says, we quickly go on. He then says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Look for the Lord. Look for the Lord's coming with eager anticipation. And if we have this hope in us, 1 John 3, 3 says, we will purify ourselves. Looking for the Lord's coming doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing. It's the boss is coming. I better get the work done. I better have it done right. I better be ready. Look for Christ's coming. Watching produces purity, it produces patience, it produces hope. And he's saying, remember, our goal is eternal, not temporal. And then he closes with this exhortation, verse 22. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. He's saying, be a soul winner. You're here. You have received the grace of God. There are multitudes around us that don't know Christ. On some, have compassion. Love them to Jesus. And he said, others, warn them that out of fear they may run to Jesus. It's not enough, he's saying, oh, I'm going to heaven. There are people around us that don't know Christ. And someone cared enough about you to share with you the grace of God. And he's saying, I want you to go make a difference. Be a soul winner. Now let me ask you, of these five things, building your faith, praying in the Spirit, keeping yourself in the place of blessing, looking for the Lord And being a soul winner, being one that cares for the lost, 
As a believer, which one of those do you really need to work on? Which one of those do you need to say, God, I need to pick it up right here? You say, you know what, I've been been neglecting the Word of God. The Word hasn't played a, a huge role in my life. I've been busy. You are not building up your faith. And when it comes crunch time, your faith won't be strong. There's no crash courses on faith. There's no instant faith that you can just rip open and pour it in your life and all of a sudden there's faith. No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What is God's Spirit asking in your life? Of those five things, building up your faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Has prayer been a part of your life? Is it just kind of the flare prayers, oh God, help me? Are you guarding your life and your heart and your mind to keep in a place of blessing? What is it God's asking you to do today? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to heed the exhortation of Jude, that we would build up our faith, that we would take serious to pray in the Spirit, in agreement with your Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would guard our lives so that we're not distracted and drawn away of our own lusts and get to the place where you cannot and will not bless us. Lord, I pray that we would be eagerly motivated by your coming again, that our faith would be strengthened to the point that we really do care for others and point them to you. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, I pray today, would be the day of salvation, that they come to receive the gift of eternal life, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stay.